Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, So as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Last week, Pastor Jason started a new sermon series called, you may remember, The Three Houses. All right, so I'm going to just kind of recap. Matter of fact, if you did not get a chance to, to hear last week's sermon, I'm just going to say it right now. You need to go online and watch that sermon. It was powerful. Like it was a revelation of, um, it was just a revelation of prayer that I don't even know that I've thought about before. So go back and watch that. And, um, but I am going to kind of recap what he talked about. And then I've got just kind of a different spin today that we'll be, um, we'll be talking about. But he talked about, he started off by establishing that we are God's house. How many of you know we are God's house? So I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And Let's read this scripture just to show you what the word says. But it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? This part right here is a hard part. But it says here, you are not your own. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Right? So we belong to God, right? We are God's temple. Would you say that's what that word says right there? Right? Okay. All right, let's read 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Kind of says it the same, same thing, but a little bit different way. But it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. Okay, this, this temple right here, Joy Byler, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This temple right here is sacred. And God, because God lives in me. And you together are that temple. That means us together as the church are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Right? Then he established, the Pastor Jason last week established what kind of house of God we are. So let's read in Matthew 21, 12 through 13. And this is just going to tell you what kind of house you are. Okay? Some of you might think, I'm just a little bitty, you know, little little house. Or I'm just a little bitty, what are those little houses that, that are popular that just have like four tiny houses. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just a little tiny house, you know. I'm compact. and um, Or some of you might think, I'm just, I'm a mansion, you know. I'm, I'm a big house. But here's the kind of house that Jesus says we are. Jesus entered the temple courts. And drove out all who were buying and selling there. Okay, so he entered the temple courts. And apparently there were some people set up selling some different things in the temple court, right? And so Jesus entered that and he did not like that. He, matter of fact, he didn't like it so much that he overturned their tables of money, of the money changers, and the benches of those selling doves. He said, "Uh uh-uh, not in my house. Because here's what is written. When Jesus says it is written, what does that mean? It means it's in God's word. It means that before the foundations of the earth, that this is what God had intended and was going to say. This is his word. He said, it is written, he said to them, my house. He was talking about the temple courts right there. But we just established that we are God's house, right? He said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So here we are, God's temple. 
We are God's house. What kind of house are we? House of prayer. So we are a house of prayer. So this is just recapping what Pastor Jason said last week. He said, so then there are three houses. Let's talk about three houses. The first, and I hope you remember this. Maybe you're taking notes so you'll remember it next week, okay? Number one, the first house is I am a house of prayer. So I'm the first house. Brandon, you're, you're the first house. You're a house of prayer. You're a house of prayer. Elizabeth, you're the first house, okay? Everyone in the room, you're that first house, You are a house of prayer. The individual me. The individual me is a house of prayer. Right? Then he said the second house is the Christian family should be a house of prayer. It is a house of prayer. And it was so good when he said, he said, if me, Jason Byler, this is is me talking for Jason. If me, Jason Byler, okay, amen. If If me, Jason Byler, is a house of prayer. And joy, my wife, is a house of prayer. Then our family is going to be a house of prayer. Okay, I'm recapping what Pastor Jason said. That's why I'm talking like that, okay? I'm not crazy. I don't talk for him like all the time. So if you are houses of prayer, Donna, and Brandon, you are a house of prayer, then your family is going to be a house of prayer. Right? So then we start... Man, I'm a, Byler family is a house of prayer. The Allen family is a house of prayer. The Hendrick family is a house of prayer. The Lee family is a house of prayer. We start becoming houses of prayers as families. What in the world is it going to do to the third house of prayer? The third house of prayer is the church. The church is a house of prayer. So you see how important it is. For us to get this right, it all starts with this one. Okay, so I'm going to focus on the first house. I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on you. Okay, so when I say me, I'm talking about you. When I say you, I'm talking about me. Okay? All right. So, if we are called to be a house of prayer, we should be praying. We should be praying. And I was talking to someone this week, and, and I hear this a lot, and I say this a lot, okay? But this person was going through something, and they said, you know, I know, I know this situation is this, and I know per- this person is this, and all I can do is just pray. They, they said that. And I say that all the time. But that is making prayer very, very, very small. Because really, all we can do is pray, The word just just hit me. Prayer is not a just. The enemy wants you to think it is just prayer. But can I tell you what prayer does? Prayer is life. It is communication with God. It is powerful. The Bible says that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. It's not just. It glorifies God. God. It brings about God's will and God's purpose. It is through prayer that the Lord brings victory. It is through prayer that the prodigal comes home. It is through prayer that marriages and families are restored. It is through prayer that fear and anxiety are defeated. It is through prayer that our land is healed. So when the enemy says it's just prayer, you just kick him in the butt and say it is not just prayer. And you know how you kick him in the butt? You pray. That's right. And you know why he doesn't want you to pray? Because he don't want a butt kicking. Come on. He wants to defeat you. He wants to hold you captive. He wants you to be a weak, measly Christian. And he paralyzes God's people when he minimizes prayer. And our house needs to be a place of continual prayer. And not just praying and asking God for things. We can do that, okay? 
I have been there going to Walmart saying, Lord, I need this parking space right here. And yes, that's a prayer. Sometimes he answers, sometimes he don't because he's like, you need to walk. Okay? Or just little things, just asking God. He doesn't mind if you talk to him and ask him for things. But that's not continual prayer that I'm talking about, okay? It's a conversation with God. It's continual communion. And I want to give you the definition of communion. Communion means a sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. Saying, Lord, here's what I'm going through. Lord, what do you need me to do in this area? Lord, I need wisdom. Or just say, Lord, I glorify you today. Just tell him how much you love him. That's a continual life of prayer that is in communion with God. This is the kind of house he wants us to set up. Your house should be a place of continual communion. Prayer is not legalistic. When I say, we got to pray, it's not because you got to, okay? It's because I can't wait to. It's because I get to. It's because I want to. Okay, so we're looking at our lives as a house. So if Jesus is the foundation, and he should be, right? Because he's the rock. We want to build our lives on the rock of Jesus. Then prayer is our walls and our structure. Okay? Without prayer, we just have a blob of a mud house. Right? You're not going to be able to stand on anything. You're not going to be able to, to handle anything. Okay? Because if we love Jesus, then we love prayer. And once we realize how important and vital prayer is to our house, then we can see why the enemy tries to come against our lives. Let's turn to John 10, 10. I'm going to be in John 10 a lot today. But we've established that the enemy is Satan, the devil, and here's what Jesus says about that little rat. John 10, 10 says this. Jesus, Jesus talking and he says, the thief, he's a thief, comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. You experienced that thief before? I'm not giving him any glory because guess what? This thief right here who steals, kills, and destroys has been defeated. And he is under my feet. Therefore, he cannot steal, kill, and destroy from me anymore. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you right there with that thief because I have come. So when Jesus cleans out the temple, all right, we're back to him cleaning out the temple court. He overturns the tables of the enemy and chases out the thieves and the robbers. So I'm going to look at it like this, all right? Roll with me here, okay? Before Jesus, here's me, the house, right? Before Jesus in my house, the enemy has set up a table in my house. And he's in there selling me doubt, He's in there selling me worry. He's in there selling me fear and temptation, addiction, anger, hate, jealousy, and all kinds of wicked things. Would you agree with that? That's what the enemy sells, right? He's like, come on and buy it from me because you know it's, you know it's going to be good for you. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. That's all he's selling. He's pushing wickedness. He is a wickedness pusher, okay? And then we become believers. We become children of God, and we allow Jesus into this house. And you know what Jesus does? He goes into the house that is joy, and he overturns the table of fear. And he goes into the house that is joy, and he overturns the table of anxiety. He goes into the house that is joy, and he overturns unforgiveness. And he says, you thief, robber, you're not welcome here anymore. But here's a problem, okay? Let's turn to Psalms 8410. Maybe it's not a problem, but it's just something we need to work through. 
Woo! This one's good. I'm preaching up a sweat, guys, so I don't know if you can turn the air down. If anybody else is hot, this, this, chick, this preacher chick right here is hot. All right. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Ah. This house, Joy, would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Just let me, the psalmist is saying here, just let me keep the door. Just let me say, come on in to the courts of the Lord. That's all I want to do. If I cannot just be in the middle, I want to just let me be the doorkeeper. I'd rather do that than in the tents of the wicked. All right? We've all experienced different levels of real-life doorkeepers in our lives, okay? You go to Walmart. There's a doorkeeper there. I don't know if you know that or not. He or she is there. Sometimes they say, welcome to Walmart. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they say, let me see your ticket. Sometimes they don't. Okay? I'm always, like, nervous. I'm like, are they going to look at my ticket? Or are they gonna, am I going to need to get this thing out of here? Or, you know, like, okay. There are doorkeepers at Walmart, right? All right, have you ever been to Moe's? They got a doorkeeper. You walk in that place, they say to everyone, Welcome to Moe's. Right? All right, they got a doorkeeper. Come on in, welcome to Moe's. They just let anybody in that place, you know? And then there's like high level doorkeepers, right? You ever been to a hospital? Man, they don't just let anybody in there, they got serious security, right? They got security. They make sure you don't have anything in your pockets. If I start sweating, when you're like, is my button going to make that thing go off, you know? You get, like, really nervous. <laughs> like, man, this doorkeeper is serious, you know? They got actually got tasers and guns and all that. And you're like, oh, this doorkeeper's serious. Or if you've been to a, a concert or a basketball game, they got serious doorkeepers there, right? All right, so we've all experienced doorkeepers. Well, the Bible says here that we are doorkeepers, right? And we need to be high-level doorkeepers. We don't need to just let anybody in our door, right? I told the kids, I was like, you know, we're at home, and I'm like, look, we even have a password, okay? I'm not going to tell you the password, because then it would be out for everybody to hear, okay? Well, I could tell you, then maybe we could change it, I don't know. You know, so we don't let just anybody in our house. If I'm not there, Elizabeth's there keeping the kids, we want it to be secure and serious, right? And so we've got a password. We're like, this is the parent password. Don't just let anybody in the door, you know? And so we're serious about who comes in our house. Because anybody could just come in and wreak havoc in our house. It could be serious who you let in your house. You know, I want to post on the door. This doesn't happen in Greenville, but it happened when we lived in Montgomery. You know, no solicitors. I don't want you to sell me anything. Okay? Or um, like when Jehovah Witnesses used to come. Like, this is a for real story, okay? Like, we lived, when I was growing up in Fort Deposit, in the country, out in the country. So nobody ever came to our house, okay? But there was um, one time that a Jehovah Witness came to our house, and Mama don't play. She don't, she don't play with Jehovah Witnesses, okay? <laughs> Can I tell this mom? Okay. Anyway, she righteously told those Jehovah Witnesses to leave, okay? Um, so whenever you have a family member that preaches, you get to become part of the illustration. And uh, mom is always a very good example. But anyway, just living out in the country, you just didn't worry about who came to your door, Right? Okay, I'm just establishing that we are a doorkeeper. And, um, and we need to be high-level doorkeepers. All right, when we neglect what is coming into our house, or if we get lazy, or we just welcome whomever and whatever into our house of prayer, then the enemy is going to do what? What have you given him the authority to do? To come in and set up tables. In your house again. Right? Is that not right? Like you're letting somebody in your house. They're going to come in. And they're going to try to sell you that vacuum cleaner. 
right? You let the enemy in your house, he's going to try to sell you and set up a table of worry again. When Jesus already defeated it, he's already turned it over. When we do this, it affects our house of prayer. Okay, so I'm going to give you five things. Now, the Bible talks about multiple things, but I'm going to give you five things that affects your house of prayer. Okay, so if you take notes and you like to count down the points because lunchtime's coming, you know, when you get to point, when I get to point four, you're going to be happy, right? I'm telling you ahead of time. We got five points, okay? All right, so the first point, the first Prayer robber. Yeah, I said it. There's several thieves that the Bible teaches us that come and steal our prayer lives. So we're going to talk about five prayer robbers. Elizabeth, can you come up here? Yeah, come on up here. I need T. Cook to come up here, T. Can you stand right here at this door? All right, T. I'm going to give you this sign. Don't show nobody until I tell you to. And can you just stand right down there by the speaker? All right. So here we got Elizabeth is now the house. She is a blood-bought child of the redeemed. Jesus has come in, turned over the tables, chased out the enemy. She is wanting to set her life up, as Jesus tells us to, as a house of prayer. But the Bible talks about some robbers that we allow to come in and will steal our prayer life. The first one, here's Elizabeth just living her life. Mm, loving Jesus. Yeah. Loving him, worshiping him every Sunday. And then sometime during the week, somebody comes to her and she gets offended. Did something wrong to her. Wrong. She's just been done wrong. And she decides... T, can you just hold that sign up? Turn around, show everybody. Sign says, unforgiveness. So T comes up, unforgiveness comes up, and says, hey, Elizabeth, I think I need to come in your house. And Elizabeth, just not wanting to let go of that unforgiveness, allows this robber to come in her house. So she says, is she being a good doorkeeper? She said, come on in. So unforgiveness just goes right on in. He sets up a table of unforgiveness. He deals out the cards of bitterness. He deals out the cards of offense. He deals out the cards of grudges. Man, you know people who hold grudges? I know some people who can hold some grudges, and they'll hold them for an eternity if they don't let Jesus come in and change them. But unforgiveness is in here. Hey, unforgiveness. Setting up a table in the house that is supposed to be prayer. Now, the Bible says, Elizabeth, just stand in front of your door there. The Bible says, so our first robber is unforgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five says this. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So would you say that the robber of unforgiveness is affecting the house that is prayer? Would you say that? I think the word's saying that right there. All right. Then we have robber number two. Who I got? Andy. You going to let this one in? You don't know? If it's a really good one, you might. Okay. All right. Hold that right there and just stand over there by the. All right. So here's Elizabeth. Just living her life. Just trying to live her house, build her house of prayer. But already it's been affected by unforgiveness. And can I tell you that unforgiveness builds such a root of, of just 
bitterness and, and such a bad, bad thing in your life that it's going to affect pretty much everything that goes on in your life. So now Elizabeth has, has invited unforgiveness in. He's in there having a good time. Can you dance? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just living it up. Because that's what unforgiveness does. It likes to get in there and dance on your life. It likes to get in there and root. Oh, that person did me wrong. Did you hear what she said? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Did you see what she posted on Facebook? I know she didn't say that on Instagram. All right? All those things start to just build a web in your life. And unforgiveness will affect every area of your life. It says it right here, Mark eleven twenty five. When you stand praying, don't hold anything against anybody. You want God to hear your prayers. Get rid of unforgiveness. So then we have this old robber right here. Turn it around. Yeah, old, you're old. Doubt. Because doubt is as old as creation. Doubt comes in and, oh, you know God's not going to do what he says. You know, his word is kind of maybe halfway. Just, nah, he's not going to do what he says. And so doubt comes on in and doubt says, hey, Elizabeth, can I come in? She don't doubt it. She just lets him in. Doubt goes in. Oh, yeah. Unforgiveness, doubt. They're really big buddies. Now they're dancing. Yeah. But here's what the Bible says about you can close the door because, unfortunately, you're letting them all stay. Okay. Doubt. Number two, I wrote, number two robber is doubt. Here's what the Bible says. James 1, 6 through 8 says this. But when you ask... You must believe and not doubt. You think ask right here is talking about prayer? Because we're asking God. We're talking about asking God. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Okay? It's the word of God. Andrew, do you mind helping me? Okay. I will. Here's another robber. We're, we're at robber number three, unless you're, you know, if you're, count, if you're taking notes and you're like, okay, we're at three. Robber number three is something I believe that just, just even just the, the, um, the good Christian, probably, it, it probably affects them. You know, they haven't let unforgiveness in. Oh, they don't worry about doubt. But this is something that I believe all God's people struggle with. Number three is, can you turn it around? Neglect. Oh, I'll read God's word tomorrow. I'm so tired tonight. I'm not going to pray. I've spent 10 hours today on Facebook. But I just don't have the time to pray right now. I don't have the time. Where is even my Bible? Oh, yeah, I got it on my phone. I don't have time. I'm, I'm just going to neglect the Word of God. You know what? Church this morning, uh, sleeping in. Uh, I really like to sleep in. Neglect the house of God. Neglect. So here's what neglect does. Come on, neglect. Oh, Elizabeth says, yeah, just going to let them on in. Just come on in. Now we got a three-ring party right here. Yeah. Neglect, doubt, none forget. Man, your house is getting crowded. Very. Okay, but here's what God's word says about neglect. Let's turn to John 15, 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. Is this the definition of neglect? No. 
we remain in Jesus and his word remains in us, then our prayer life just took it to a whole nother level because now Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We have got to be students of the word. We have got to be houses of prayer. We have got to be God's people who show up to church on Sunday morning with the other houses of God, not neglecting the house of God. And when we do, it says here, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But we allow neglect into our house and we say, come on in, come on in. And we wonder, why is our house of prayer not being built? All right. Let's do that, one, that other scripture, God on neglect. This one's really good. Psalm 66, 18. I'm sorry. Psalms 119, 16, Scott. Thank you. I delight in your decrees, and I will not neglect your word. All right, number four. I'm running out of Morins. Come here. Like I'm running out of teenagers. Let's throw a girl in there. <laughs> Do what? Oh, yeah, there's teenagers over here. You guys are next. You guys get ready. All right, so um, this light right here is really bright, so that's why I can't see over there. Um, all right, number four. You ready? Elizabeth has already let unforgiveness in, doubt, and neglect. Might as well just go on ahead and let this one back in. And it's sin and rebellion. Okay, so Robert, number four. Thieves that affect our prayer life. Snatching the most pow- one of the most powerful weapons that the God has given us. Away from us. And Elizabeth just embraces it. Come on, this is your friend right here. Just give her a hug, high five, come on into my house. All right, now we got four people in here dancing. Oh, yeah, they're setting up tables. They're they're exchanging the money, okay? But here's what Isaiah 59.2 says. Isaiah 59.2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We've just just let all of these robbers into our house. And our prayer life has just gone. It has, hasn't it? Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Elizabeth welcomed them on into their house, into her house. And it really has shut up the heavens for her. All right, number five. I think this is one a lot of us deal with. Number five. All right, over here. Savannah. All right, go stand right over there. All right, this is what I want to call a distracting thief. Okay? When I was in London, I, I went to London when I was a teenager. 13 years old, little southern Alabama girl gone to England. And me and my aunt were in London, the city, and we were in this huge mall, okay? And we were sitting there eating. It was a whole nother world, right? Definitely, like literally a whole nother world. And we're sitting there, and over the loudspeaker, in a very British accent, said, pickpocket has been located in the area. And I said, and my aunt looked at me and said, a pickpocket. Somebody, ha- there, somebody, a thief is in this mall, 
and they've, loca- they've realized there's a pickpocket here. So whenever they do that, they come across the, announce- the speaker and say there's a pickpocket so that everybody will check their pockets. Right? I'm like, okay. So, man, I had my... I had my little passport bag. I stuffed it down my shirt. You know, and I was like, ain't nobody stealing my American money. And, uh, you know, so this little distracting thief that comes along and just picks your pocket, right? And this one is pretty, it's pretty under the table sneaky. But something we all struggle with. It's fear and worry. So sneaky little fear and worry comes up here. Kind of distracts Elizabeth. Hey, look over there. And she opens the door and lets them on in. Oh, man, they're partying now. Fear and worry's here. Oh, yeah. Party has arrived. And all these robbers are in there having a heyday in Elizabeth's house. Fear and worry will steal your prayers in a split second. It will shut your house down. How can you pray in faith when you got fear and worry in there doing a little jig? Okay, here's some really, I read these quotes, I want to give them to you because they're really, really, really good. Worry empties today of its strength. Worry robs you of the gift to live in the present moment. It takes it away. Write this down. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Memorize it. Live it. Activate it. Let it become alive in your life. But Philippians 4, 6, 7 says this. Do not. I don't know about you, but I take God at his word. Right? But it says here, do not be anxious about anything. About your money. About your job. About your family. About your health. About your children about your house, about your car, about your washing machine, about your friends, about your school, about your mom, about your dad, about your life, about your future, about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition. You see that word prayer? We're building our lives on prayer, remember? Not doubt and worry. Worry and doubt and fear. Unforgiveness. What else? Neglect. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's a quote that I found, and I love it. It says, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Here's what happens. Courage is worry, fear, and anxiety that has said its prayers. You get it? You want me to say it again? Courage is worry, fear, and anxiety that has said its prayers. So as doorkeepers of the house of God, we have welcomed all these robbers into our house. And Elizabeth, they're stealing your house of prayer. They are robbing you of victory. They're in here creating all kinds of ruckus. They're dancing. They're partying. They're setting up tables. You want to be set free? Yes? All right, let's turn to John 10. You guys are doing great, by the way. 
John 10, and I'm almost done. We're going to read 1 through 10, but here's Jesus talking. It says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Children of God today, do you understand what Jesus is telling you? He is the gatekeeper. He is the door. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus, be the door. Jesus, be the door. And when Jesus is the door, he comes in and he clears out fear and worry. He clears out sin and rebellion. He clears out unforgiveness. He clears out neglect and doubt. And they go running in Jesus' name. So our prayer needs to be, thank you, Elizabeth. Our prayer needs to be, Jesus, I am the doorkeeper. Jesus, be the door. Jesus, be the door. Our prayer needs to be, Jesus, come and invade and clean every room in my house. You have access to every part of me. Even that junk room. You know the junk drawer? that has the birthday candles and the duct tape and the scissors and the crayons. You know that junk drawer? Y'all don't have a junk drawer. Are you a southerner? You, you got to have a junk drawer. Eh? Junk drawer, Jesus. Come and clean it out. That room that when company comes and you go and you throw everything in it and you shut the door and you lock it, that room, Jesus had access to it. Because I don't want any junk in my house of prayer. Because I don't want my house of prayer to be affected. I want it to grow and to build. And I want to become a house of prayer. And then as I'm becoming a house of prayer, and Jason's becoming a house of prayer, my kids are becoming houses of prayer. And as the Byler family is becoming houses of prayer, and and connecting with houses of prayer that are in the life in the local church right here at Life Change Church, then Life Change Church becomes a house of prayer. Jesus, clean out all the junk. You have access to every room. So I'm going to end it with this. Let's read Revelations 3.20. Because if we want our lives to be a house of prayer, we must allow Jesus to clean house and chase out the robbers. This is Revelations 3.20, and this is Jesus talking. And he says, here I am. I, Jesus, stand 
at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice, mm, the sheep knows the shepherd's voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus wants to come and invade every area of your life. He wants to give you victory in every area of your life. He wants to take unforgiveness. And he wants to tell you he's already nailed it to the cross. Why are you taking it back up again? Why are you letting it rob your house? He wants to take sin and rebellion. And he wants to, he wants to tell you, I've already taken it on the cross. Let me come in and eat with you. He is standing at the door of our heart today. And he's knocking and he's saying, I want your house to be called a house of prayer. I want your house to be my house. And I want you to remember that my house is called a house of prayer. So we've talked about five different robbers that can totally come in and affect the house that is me, the house that is you. And Jesus is today standing at your house and he's knocking and he wants to come in and he wants to clear your house out and he wants to eat with you. He wants to give you victory, and he wants to help you build your house of prayer. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word, because it is alive, and it is active. And Lord, as we have read your word today, and as you have been with us in this service, Holy Spirit, you have spoken to different parts of our hearts today. And Lord, even as I began to knock on that door in the physical, you began to knock on the door of our hearts and shine the light of your word on areas of our house that we have allowed robbers into. And it has affected our prayer life as an individual. And it has affected the prayer life of our family. And it has affected the prayer life of the church. And the enemy would not want anything more than to steal, kill, and destroy every individual. To steal, kill, and destroy every family. And to steal, kill, destroy and stop the church. But he has already been defeated. And our mission and our job today is to just say yes to you, Jesus. The areas that you're knocking on in our lives, Jesus says, open up and let me come in. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, this, is this moment right here, right now, is between you and God. And you say, you know what? The Holy Spirit has been dealing with me during this service. And there are areas in my life I need to surrender. If that is you, raise your hand. I see those hands. All over the room, I see those hands. My hand is right up there with you. And maybe you're sitting there right now and you're saying, you know what? I've never heard or have responded. I've heard it before, but maybe I've never responded to it. But I hear it very clearly today. Jesus knocking on the door of my life for the very first time. And I have never let him in. And this morning, I want to. 
If that is you, raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. So, Father, here we are with our hands raised high. And we say, Jesus, come and have access to every part of me. Come and clean out every room. Chase out the robbers that are robbing me of my prayers, of my victory. And this morning, Lord, I invite you to come in. So just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, chase out the robbers. Jesus, help me to build my life on you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Come and have access to every part of us, Lord. Help us to be houses of prayer. In Jesus' name. I want to open the altars up. If you would like to come and just give something to the Lord this morning, or if you would like to come and you need prayer, I want to open them up right now. And if you'd like to come, come. If you hear Jesus calling you today, just come. Just come. I'm just going to play some music for just a few minutes. If you need to come, come. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. So, Father, this morning we thank you for the word. We thank you that it becomes alive in our lives this week. And we thank you, Lord, that when the robber comes and knocks at, our, at the door of our life, Lord, that we know that we can say you are not welcome here. And we stand because you, Jesus, are the door. And we will be wise, godly, good doorkeepers in the houses that are, are us and that we will be called the house of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Go have an awesome week. Pastor Jason will be back next week for the part three in this series. And we've got a baby dedication next week. So have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.